Virginia, there may not be a Santa Claus, but there is a Galaxy Con, and guess who's coming? <laughs> it's going to be us, the Inglorious Trexperts in As Richmond, in Virginia. Inglorious Live Tour 2023 continues. Wow. Darren and me, Mark A. Altman, will be in Richmond at Galaxy Con on, uh, when is it, Darren? It's March 24th through 26th. March 24th to March 26th in lovely Richmond, Virginia. And there are going to be a ton of great guests, but none of that matters because we're there. We're there. We are a ton of great guests. We are <laughs> indeed. And we're excited because GalaxyCon is where it's at. These guys put on great shows with great guests, a great dealer's room, and plenty of entertainment. And, we'll and be more. Doing and more. That's exactly <laughs> the illusion of beauty and more. So uh, I'm, I'm really excited, Darren. It's going to be a great chance to, um, well, I was going to say a great chance for you to meet the fans. That's right. And, uh, for me for to us, meet the fans, not you. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I'll be eluding uh, deadly scooter accidents. Oh but uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm excited because, uh, like I said, um, uh, the, the Inglorious Live Tour, or I, as I call it, my farewell tour. This is like uh, the Who. <laughs> You know, I'm I'm on my farewell tour, but we know how that turned out. Um, they've been on the same farewell tour now for 50 years. That's right. Um, <laughs> uh, 40 that years. A, that I, was a Godfather we, reference. Godfather <laughs> two, actually. Yeah, he died died of the same heart attack since. But uh, but it's 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 gonna be it's gonna be great. Um, Jody Whitaker is gonna be there. Rosario Dawson, Kevin Smith, uh, Bill Shatner, Brent Spiner. Um, no, this is Columbus. That's Columbus. <laughs> That's Columbus. You gotta I'm click on the click on the Richmond one. I'm talking about Richmond, Virginia. I don't think they have all of their guests up they, yet. They don't. Um, uh, but Vincent is going to be there. David Tennant's going to be there. Oh, one of our favorite people. You know who's going to be there? Not only is Bill Shatter going to be there, Walt Koenig's going to be there. We love Walt. Oh, good. Yeah, it'd be good to see him. Maybe we can. Uh, maybe, maybe we we'll, can uh, show him another movie he hasn't seen in 30 years. <laughs> Jonathan Frakes will be there. Gates is going to be there. And uh, nice. they're just starting to announce some of these guests, but the list goes on and on. Um, and it's going to be, oh, Mariel Hemingway from my favorite movie, Manhattan. Nice. And uh, maybe if we can moderate a panel with her, I guess she's there for Superman 4, but we can talk about personal best in Manhattan. Oh, I think they'll be, be go over the heads of the audience. They'll be like, what, 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 what's going on here? Um, Sarah <laughs> Douglas is going to be there. We haven't seen her since, oh, uh, be, since Lola's. Lola's. <laughs> yeah. Superman, that'll be great. Uh, Mark Pillow, Nuclear Man, is going to be there. Nice. And of course, the great Barry Boswick uh, yes. will be there, star of such great legendary movies as Megaforce. So uh, it's going to be a ton of fun. We're going to be there. We hope you'll be there too. Uh, check out galaxycon.com for all the details, and we'll see you in Richmond, Virginia this March. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman. And this is Darren Docterman, and we are the Inglorious Tracksperts. And today um, <laughs> we we travel to Nimbus 3 for some galactic peacemaking. Galactic <laughs> peacemaking, that's what we're doing. There we go. We have none other than Caitlin Dahar with us today. Um, the great Cynthia Gao. And what what a delight. She is just terrific what an interesting story she's had what an interesting career she's had and uh she's not somebody who's gotten a lot of attention in the star trek community um and i'm really glad that we uh in our 
continuing Trek archaeology, um, found her and uh, uh, had a wonderful, a wonderful talk with her. She, yeah. she, she's just an absolute delight and great stories from the making of uh, Star Trek V and beyond. And, um, you know, if they could bring back Cybok uh, for the new Star Trek, I'd like to see Caitlin Dar come back. Yeah, no kidding. I, I'd I mean, like to see her get a more, you know, you know, be interesting to see what they, you know, could, you know, with a, you know, more uh, uh, interesting purpose. That was such a great concept, wasn't it, in Star Trek V, that there were these ambassadors representing the major powers, but then nobody. Yeah, but took it was it all seriously. it was all BS. It was, it was all, all just for just for uh, uh, publicity. You know, it's kind of like, you know, how Woodrow Wilson wanted to start the League of Nations. Right. You know, and, they, oh, you know, when there'll never be another war because there'll be this League of Nations where all the the world powers come together to work out their differences. And it was all yeah. nonsense. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so it was so interesting. And I'd love to see that whole idea of this planet of galactic peace and, you know. Um, and and just the fact that there would be these people representing all the major powers of the galaxy. I mean, so interesting. And it would be great to see, um, you know, Cynthia have another shot at this, you yeah. know, knowing, you know, she's much more seasoned. Uh, she's had a, more of a, she's, you know, she, she, she had a chance to, to uh, live a life. And I think it would be, uh, I think it'd be really interesting. Yeah, I do too. Uh, yeah. A, 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 a sequel to Star Trek five where she's, maybe she's the uh, new, uh, Romulan Empress. Who knows? Well, I, look, I will say without <laughs> getting, you know, we don't we don't talk about uh, some of the new shows that much on this show, but um, I, I did think it was in, an interesting choice to bring Cybok back, and obviously they haven't done anything with that yet. Um, but you know, there is potential um, with that character to do something interesting, um, and uh, because again, he falls under at the time. I was like another. Uh, another relative you know we've right. talked about the, the star trek relative curse um and it is very rarely uh, something interesting but uh, you know i think lawrence luckabill's performance in star trek 5 to me is much like um michael lonsdale in moonraker i i thought he was kind <laughs> of a um a third-rate Bond villain when I first saw Moonraker. And over the years, my estimation has grown to like where right now I love what he's Hugo actually Dragon. doing. Yes, right. because it was very subtle. And it was the same thing with Lawrence Luckinbill. I didn't yeah. love him at the time, but my um, appreciation of that performance has only grown over the years. Yeah. Now I really like him uh, in that role. That's I think great. there should be a show with all only relatives. Only relatives. <laughs> it's the it's only relatives. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. You know, Demora Sulu and uh, and uh, all the uh, the Spock siblings and uh, yeah, I think it would be hilarious. By the way, I also want to shout out to uh, our uh, Neil Shirley. Um, on the day we're recording this, he wrote a very nice blog uh, about how great our podcast is. And oh, that's um, nice of him. Well, I don't believe uh, 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 everything I read. Uh, in this case, it's true. <laughs> I don't. I don't believe in the no-win scenario. No, it was it was very nice. He's been a big uh, fan of the podcast for many years, and um, he's our kind of fan. He he just yeah. he he gets it. And, he's, and do uh, call him Shirley. I do call him Shirley. But it was a, a lovely, a lovely thing he wrote. To, sort of his year-end wrap-up of the best Star Trek podcasts, and nice. You know, so it was a very very nice. And of course, he um, mentioned our good friends uh, Scott Mance and his podcast uh, with scott morrison mentioned uh our, our, our uh, tony pascal and, and laurie and, and there were brian drew their their lovely podcast well they, so they say it's an honor well i'm honored <laughs> well anyway uh enough of us yakking 
let's uh let's uh let's beam in uh cynthia gow and find out the real story behind caitlin dara so people don't realize how perfectly cast you were as an ambassador having been a uh political science major um studying international relations I mean, what could have prepared you better for the 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 <laughs> complex role of an international intergalactic mediator? Mark, you're giving me way too much credit. I actually was in <laughs> law school at the time as well. So you got to add that to it. Got to add that too. Um, yeah, they were just looking for a UCLA student, you know, who yeah, happened to be in the neighborhood. No, I mean, it was an intense process, of course. But yeah, I think that character was very much, like you said, an ambassador. And I think it was a lot about who I was as a person at the time. Yeah, well, for sure. Bef before we get into it, I just want to welcome you to this, the podcast of Intergalactic Peace. <laughs> um, <laughs> because it's absolutely that. And Darren, uh, is that what this podcast is? It is now. It is now. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you you were way overqualified for that role. I mean, you know, it, it, it uh, you know, it's interesting because I can only I'm probably going to sound like your mother, but you were doing all this amazing stuff. I mean, you were in law, law school. You had this degree. You, you know, you're ready to take over the world. And what do you do? You decide I'm going to pursue a modeling and acting career. Like, <laughs> so what was the, the impetus for for you to sort of make? that that I guess left turn would be the I think you know that's actually yeah you sound like my mom in a bit like, I, I I'm sorry I, I apologize <laughs> no, <I'm sure. laughs> actually that's a great point I think I just really like adventure I think I was doing this at the time I was in law school and then I was of course modeling to pay the bills and that went pretty well so then I became I had this reputation as the model who could walk and talk at the same time and then that gradually moved into more acting stuff. And there weren't a lot of Asian American women during that time. So um, it was definitely a brave new world. Um, but I think I had given it, I decided to do an acting, you know, thing for two years during the time I took off from law school. Right. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a big adventure, I'd have to say for sure. Um, and why did I take that turn? I guess it was just a lot of opportunity at that time. So. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you were and you became Miss Chinatown. And I'm not talking about Jake Giddies. I mean, you were I mean, this is a this is a big deal. I mean, I mean, you, you get into modeling and then you you start doing commercials for L'Oreal and it just uh, uh, you had a lot, you know, a lot of success in this in this uh which well, is good. You could tell your mother that. This. Where were you? Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> where, 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 where exactly. So um, I, I have to ask you because, you know, 1989, not the only cult movie you were involved with in 1989 was not just Star Trek, but you were in the kind of, I, when I say infinite, infamous with love, uh, 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 Kenate, Forbidden Subjects, the J, you know, it's J. Lee Thompson's last film, right. Charlie Bronson's in it, the great Charlie Bronson. I mean, I know it wasn't a big role, but, you know, I think I would be remiss if I didn't ask you to tell us, you know, what that experience was like. Of course, it was one of your first times on a film set, and uh, you were probably grateful that this was uh, not the way it always would be. <laughs> yeah, Kanjite was actually a really interesting film because, obviously, Charles Bronson, he's just this major cultural icon, um, the, you know, the role that was offered to me was a small role. It wasn't a large role. Um, it was a very stereotypical role, uh, you know, as an Asian hostess, you know, hanging out with the gangsters. Um, 
The only thing I have to say and put this on the record is later on, I saw the DVD, the actual cover of it. And there's this sort of semi-clad Asian woman on the front cover. And there's also a picture of me on the front cover, the new DVD. But that woman lying there sort of, you know, half clothed. is Scantily not, clad, it's not we'll her, say. No, yeah, she's got an amazing body, but that's not me. So <laughs> my daughter said that. She's like, mom. I'm like, <laughs> that's not me. That is going to be my body double forever. Right. <laughs> You're not going to hang that one sheet in your room. And that's no. that. Um, but, you know, what was it like for you? I mean, thinking back, was the experience of being on these sets kind of what you expected when you decided to sort of pursue acting or did you suddenly realize, wait, this is a lot of sitting around and there's not a lot of glamour and sure they're treating, you know, Charlie Bronson, you know, great. He has this nice big uh, star wagon. Meanwhile, you know, I'm running around and, and uh, it's not the most pleasant experience. What, what was sort of that, th those couple of years where you were making the transition into acting like for you? Yeah, that's actually a really good point because I think people think that acting is so glamorous, but you're right, it's a lot of sitting around. I think for Star Trek, it was a lot of sitting around because there was so much makeup involved and sets and, you know, just big scenes. Um, uh, but with the, the Bronson film, there was, you know, there's quite a bit of that, although it was kind of neat to be part of that whole element, right? Because we're, I'm of that age, I'm almost 60 now, where you know you, you grow up watching Charlie Bronson and then, oh my God, you're sitting right next to him. So that is undeniable, undeniable. And certainly if I can jump forward and that is, you know, with Leonard, oh my God, you know, sitting next to him in a makeup chair for six right. weeks. Yeah, well, we'll get to that. We're, we're gonna get to, <laughs> uh, apparently we're ramping up. We have to talk about Star Trek before we- there. But before we do that, I'm, I'm I'm so focused on the the canon movie only because, of course, you know, J. Lee Thompson, you know, did Guns of Navarone. I mean, he did all these great movies. But of course, by the and a, time and a you, couple of not very good. Planet well, that's what I was going to say. By the time okay. you, you get to work with him, you know, one of the reasons uh, Charles Bronson kept working with him and loved him so much was because he was famous for only making him do two takes. You right. know, and was there like, I just wonder if. You know, at that point in your career, was it like anything you learned from that experience or was it just, you know, um, don't bump into the furniture pretty much, <laughs> you know, say your lines <laughs> and don't bump into the furniture. Yeah. yeah. I think the set had a lot of like, you know, like I said, a lot of ambiance and he has, he's bigger than life, right? Charlie Bronson. So I think people kind of like, whoa, Charlie says what he wants, he gets what he wants. So he was a very kind person, but he definitely had that aura around him. So I think- in that sense, the set was very, if I'm answering your question, the set was, yeah. I wouldn't say it's tense, but there was, you know, a big star on stage. And, you know, Bronson was really, like I said, someone that was bigger than life. Um, and I think we definitely felt that on the set, yeah. for sure. Yeah. He was doing, you know, just film after film at this point, because, of course, this is in the sort of... The, let's say the sunset of his career um but there's, well, we could say that there's this wonderful documentary i, I don't know uh, if you've seen it it's a really gonzo documentary i think uh, this australian documentarian did it called electric boogaloo the rise and fall of canon films and you know they this is obviously one of the films that they talk about and it's just a delightful sort of gonzo documentary about that era of filmmaking you know um where canon was just doing basically going afm and can and just yeah. selling them off a poster and then having to come up with what the movie was 
I would say Gonzo is right. And ironically, I actually interned at Canon Films for a while as a long, sort of a law internship. Wow. And so it all kind of came, it was just very odd. You know, all my worlds were colliding. So not at the time I was doing Kinjite, but I did that actually before. So yeah, it was- What was that like? I'd, I'd love to hear. I mean, you know, obviously these guys were sort of larger than life, the go-go boys as they were called, the uh, Yoram and- uh, uh, Menachem, the Menachem, yeah. right? Yeah, and uh, so I, I'm just, I'm just, you know, curious because it really is an age of filmmaking that doesn't exist anymore. You know, largely because of streaming and because of everything. But you know, this is post kind of the heyday of Roger Corman, and certainly before. I mean, it's just, it's, it's bizarre. So I'd love to, you know, know what it was like, or it was just like working in any office. I think it was like working in any office. I, I worked there just for a short time. Then I was assigned to uh, Paul Verhoeven. <laughs> um, yeah, as a law person um, yeah. during law school. And he was working on Basic Instinct. Yeah. And he said to me, this was before the internet, of course. And he said to me, Cynthia, I need to find the dialogue of a serial killer, but it has to be a woman. And I was like, Okay, Paul, uh, there are not that many serial killers that are women. They're generally men, but I'll see what I can do. So I went down to the Canyon Courthouse in LA and um, they had all the transcripts for the Black Dahlia, right? Right. Mm -hmm. And um, it was expensive because to actually copy those transcripts was, I think, like 10 cents a page, which is a lot of money then and certainly a lot of money now. And I had a whole transcript. Of course, this was on their dime. So I was like, yeah, I'll take two. So I brought them back and I gave it to Paul and his uh, top producer assistant and I, on, on, on Halloween Eve. <laughs> I came back the next day and he's like, wow. I was like, yeah, right. <laughs> wow. It's just fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> You're hired. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Verhoeven, what a character. You know, you wouldn't believe he existed in real life. He's like a movie character. I mean, this crazy Dutchman who's just like absolutely passionate, made some of the great movies of all time, both in Holland and here, you know, and uh, what, a, what a character. And uh, it's so funny because when I was co-EP on Agent X with um, Sharon Stone, I was always talking to Sharon to tell me uh, basic instinct stories. And our gaffer had worked on Showgirls who had even better Paul Verhoeven stories. Wow. But uh <laughs> But um, I, I Sharon, that's so. Sharon and I actually hung out a bit. I mean, she and I had the same agent um, in Hollywood, uh, Cynthia out of the Gersh Agency, and so we'd hang out a bit. And um, oh, I have a I have a naughty story to tell you. When Great, you bring it on. Better. She she <laughs> would she would not be embarrassed. Let's put it that way. She would not be embarrassed. <laughs> so for some reason, we had a couple drinks, and we were you know in West Hollywood, and we had to go to the bathroom together. So we went to the bathroom, and for some reason, it wasn't a come on or anything. For some reason, we're getting crazy, whatever. And she showed me her boobs, and they're amazing. <laughs> no you're not going to get any argument from us yeah exactly, exactly. so that's that's my basic that's, yeah that's so yeah. that sounds yeah that sounds like Sharon, like, oh, Sharon. we have a certain Your friend girl. that would uh, that would go crazy hearing that story just saying <laughs> it's so funny she has a, she has a pool at her house 
and she i forget what she called it, it was like the iq pool and I, she she would say if you swim in it you're you become smarter because there's a certain type of i mean it was it was a I don't know what she was just like her. She trying was to get people to go swimming or, or, yeah. or what, but I think she genuinely believed that this would elevate your IQ. It was very interesting. Very interesting. So, um, so you, you, you're doing these films, you're bopping around um, California, you're having some success modeling, uh, you're doing some commercials. And um, I presume that the way that you got in on Star Trek was your agent uh, got the, the breakdowns and saw they were casting this role of uh, Romulan and you get a call. Is is that somewhat the, like what happened or is it more interesting than that? I think that's pretty straightforward. Yeah. I mean, the, the audition was, you know, there's a lot of people going through the audition. Um, uh, Bill had told me, Bill, the casting director had told me there were about 2000 women that they saw just, you know, so um, and I think I, I went back for like eight callbacks, which was, which was rough, wow. I have to say. Yeah. 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 Because every time you're like, okay, maybe this is when I'm going to get the offer. Now I'm going to get the offer. And they're like, yeah. oh, we want to see you again. Now. So the first time you auditioned for the casting director, and then they put you on tape. And then finally, I assume you auditioned for Bill, but not Bill, the casting director, Bill <laughs> Shatner. Um, that guy. Yes. You remember yeah, that guy. Do you remember anything about, you know, being in the room and, and sort of how, you know, did he give you adjustments? Was he very engaged or uh, was he, you know, avuncular? Was he, you know, sort of, it, it's very interesting because when an actor directs actors, just, I'm curious, like what his, and again, this is a long time ago, you may have no idea or remember this, but what, what he was like in that, you know, w with that audition. You know, I remember this as clear as day, actually. I mean, it was an important point, a pivot in my life. Um, I knew after the auditions that were happening, the eight callbacks and things like that, I knew they were narrowing in because they had like 2,000 women. Then they got down to 1,000, then 400 and three, you know, that thing. And then they got down to, I went into a room and it was, you know, six black girls, six Asian girls, six white girls, six, you know, Latina girls. And then they... Then it was all the Asian girls. I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm in this, you know, I, I'm, I'm in the running here. Um, so when I actually auditioned for Bill, um, he was he was the one who read with me. Usually the director kind of sits back and waits for the casting director to read with someone. So he actually read with me and um, his enthusiasm and intensity, as you can imagine, um, was something I could really play off of and uh, he gave me some adjustments and then I did it again. The room was filled with people. Everyone was in there. Harv, you know, David Lowry, everyone. Um, and he, then he sat back after I did the second adjustment or the first adjustment. And he said to me, wow, that was amazing. And I thought he was completely patronizing me because mm. you know, after eight callbacks, you get so worn down. And I just like, oh, thank you. And then I left the room and I just cried all the way home because I was like, oh, this oh. is too much done. Right. I wish I had been cut the first, you know, callback because mm -hmm. this was just right. It's completely attenuated your life and you know you're on it's the roller coaster. Yeah, yeah, exactly, Darren. So um, so I guess. He meant it when he said it. Of course he meant it. But you know, at the time your head is completely of course. Yeah. 
So. Yeah, it's, it's the it's you know you're putting yourself out there. The neuroses of an actor. I mean, you're constantly being judged. I mean, everything you're doing, you, you know, you're being judged. So it's very hard, I would imagine, you know, to 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 have to deal with that, the anxiety that that creates, and just always knowing that people are, you know, is she good? Do they think I'm good? Do they not think I'm good? You know, what do they think of me? What do they really think of me? You know, because Hollywood isn't exactly known for you know being straight shooters either. You were fantastic. God, wasn't she awful? Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's hard sometimes. You know, when you're an actress, um, I always tell friends of mine this, and I think this happens in everyday life. I think sometimes, you know, you're going to get some rejection, um, but it might not be for what you think it is. You know, I helped a friend of mine cast her film, a small film that got an Emmy um, nomination. Um, But I was reading with the actors and I realized some of these people are amazing actors, but they didn't fit the part. They were mm-hmm. too tall, too short, too good looking, not good looking enough, too old, too young, things that they could not control. So mm-hmm. that was a huge sea change for me in a mm-hmm. lot of things in my life because I realized rejection is really subjective in many ways. Um, I know for a fact also when you audition sometimes in Hollywood, sometimes you do a bad audition right. and you get the part. And sometimes you realize, wow, I was... Meryl Street, and you don't get the part. So what is it, right? So a lot of the stuff you just can't take personally. It's just also a crapshoot. And it's also about a luck, right? Right. That's such an important realization that you came to early in your career. You're lucky you did that you may not get the get a part, not because you're not great. It has nothing just, to do with you. It, it yeah. could be, uh, you know, they're looking for something completely different or the director's girlfriend got the part or, you know, whatever. I mean, there are a million reasons that you may not get cast. And also when you're in your room, and in this case, we'll say, you know, the screenwriter's there and he has one vision of the character and Bill has another version of the character and Harv has something else. It, it, it doesn't have anything to do with you. You know, they're not even talking about you at that point, you know? So um, that's, that's so interesting. And so here you go in and then at what point do you get the call from your agent that you got the role? Well, after that, as I just cried all the way home and I just thought to myself, you know, this is just for the birds at this point. So I went, actually, I was with my manager at the time and we were at my other agency. And I found out that day that I had booked a national Coca-Cola commercial, which is a huge deal because it's a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. National network spot for Coca-Cola. Yeah. Oh, you're, 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 there's no more ramen in your future. (laughs) (laughs) And then, you know, five minutes, 10 minutes later, I found out that I booked that part and I was just like, what is going on? I mean, wow. I was just screaming. It didn't conflict with the uh, commercial. You were still able to do the commercial, right? No, yes, no. Oh, okay. That's that would have been heartbreaking. Just, <laughs> you know, then it's like, goodbye, ah. Star Trek. Hello, Coca-Cola. <laughs> oh, it would have been no, the it first would be Star Trek 100%, but I'd be like, oh, Coca-Cola. Well, you'd be the first uh, uh, Coca-Cola actress with uh, pointed ears. Yes, exactly. Exactly, Darren. I'd be very confused. They would be confused. <laughs> when you were going on those eight auditions, did you do much research into Star Trek and what a Romulan was and and trying to sort of uh, um, you know, sort of understand how this character is different than a human and what your approach would be to auditioning for her? You know, I think I did a lot of research, but like you said, or I said, there was just no internet at the time. So there's yeah. not a lot of availability. Mm-hmm. Um, I really pulled a lot from, you know, I've been a Star Trek fan ever since I was little. I mean, I would watch Bill and, you know, Leonard and all those people, George, when I was at home in my home in El Cerrito, California, you know, growing up when I was little. So I knew a lot about far more, I think, than 
some of my fellow actresses. Um, so I just pulled from that. Also, I got some clues that obviously her name, Caitlin Dar, she's got to be not 100% Romulan. She has to be part Terran, half Terran, half Romulan. So I think, you know, being in two cultures, I think is something that I understood as an Asian American person in, in America at that time, just kind of trying to parse the two different identities. And I think that's how I went about, about approaching the character, more from that perspective. And it'd be, sorry, I'm sorry, ahead. it'd be, it'd be uh, interesting if you were actually the uh, result of uh, Spock's liaison with uh, Joanne Linville uh, in uh, the Enterprise incident. Um, that perhaps okay, you were that a, amazing. I, I, I'd love I'm to creating new canon right now. Yeah, you're red, you're <laughs> retconning as as we speak. Now I'm going to ask you another one of these questions, which I don't expect you to remember. But um, do you remember if the sides were appreciably different than what you ended up doing in the movie? That's a great question. Um, that is a great question. I don't exactly remember. I remember at another shoot I did for another movie the sides changed dramatically. I don't think the sides changed that much. Mm -hmm. I mean, just small little tweaks, as I recall. Um, no, I don't think so. Yeah. Okay. So now you get the part, you're really excited. This is, things are going great with your career. You just booked a huge Paramount movie. You got a, a Coca-Cola commercial. So um, when do you start working and how long, I assume that you shot, primarily on stages i don't remember if you had any exteriors um uh was, was you on the lot most of the time did you end up going out to trona peaks or, or or at any point and what can you tell us about actually filming yeah well we were actually at the lot on melrose avenue which is really a 10 minute drive from my house which was amazing that's convenient oh totally convenient <laughs> and the lot was amazing as you know Paramount yeah. lot and we were right next to the next generation so um, as you know, Paramount had a lot of bicycles that you could ride. So we had some off time. So I just ride around in my crazy costume with my fabulous hair. And <laughs> I just go visit people at new Gen next generation, you know, and, you know, Michael Dorn and I would hang out and, um, you know, it was great. We had a great time. Um, and then I was actually, I think it was two weeks or three weeks in the desert mm -hmm. um, when we were recreating the planet. Uh, and that was great. We were on set for a while. It was night shoots most of the time. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, that was, that was neat. So I was, I was actually working on the film, I'd say six to eight weeks. Uh, oh, so you were on it for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Because they shot the uh, scenes, of course, with us on the set. And then we went out and of course we were in the desert. So it was all different little aspects. And I ride into town. That was not me riding into town. <laughs> My fabulous stunt double. <laughs> riding and galloping. Not the same place. one from the poster, different stunt. Not double. the same one from the poster. <laughs> Actually, uh, uh, Bill put me on a horse uh, in ho the Hollywood Hills. There was a Hollywood Wrangler. And he says, okay, let's just get on a horse and see what's going on. So I got on the horse and I had never horseback ride before. And of course they're expecting me to gallop. So we're going in the ring. We spent an hour, maybe two, an hour and a half. And then um, I think the guy's name was Sparky or something. It sounds like a horse wrangler. Phone, Sparky, you know, Tex, Rex. <laughs> <laughs> he's talking to Bill. He's like, no. <laughs> no. No. So that was it. So I got a stunt double, which was just as well, because she's an amazing, I, I can't remember her name. She was wonderful and she made me look great. So, <laughs> we into town. Well, we, uh, go we, ahead, we just lost uh, a few months ago, David Warner. 
And uh, I'm I'm just wondering, uh, you know, the, the big question is, how was he to work with? But do you have any uh, any stories about him? Because your character was sort of uh, uh, connected with with him in the story. And yeah. Uh, yeah, he was, you know, Darren, he was wonderful to work with. Um, here he is. He's just this amazing icon in himself. Um, and to work with him, he was super generous. We worked, I thought, really well together. We decided on our whole arc of our relationship uh, that we were going to be obviously at odds to begin with. That was the right. script. And then in the background, something happened and we, we kind of like that arc of our character and at the end, we'd be together. Yeah. Um, and so we played that out. We decided that both between us. Um, so if you see in the background, you know, somehow we're getting closer and closer. And at the end, of course, you see us together. So um, he's looking remarkably dapper at the end. I think I had a good influence on him. <laughs> he didn't look so crusty. And yeah. uh, I mean, it was a May-December romance, let's face yes. it. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, well, maybe Romulan's age differently than humans. <laughs> exactly. No doubt. <laughs> exactly. But um, he was lovely to work with. And um, I, I recounted this before in some other interviews. So that is, you know, we used to play Scrabble a lot, and um, I was no match for uh, Charles, you know, or Charles Cooper or David right. Warner. They're both twice my age at the time; they still are. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but their 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 lexicon, their their vocabulary, everything was far surpassing me. And we used to bet our money, you know, our, our per diem money. We get fifty dollars a day, and at that point, I was like, you know what? I have less money now than I started off with. So. <laughs> Yeah, we stopped well, doing that. But good, yeah, good use, was, good use of lexicon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you. Go to the head of class. <laughs> so yeah, he he was wonderful. He's a wonderful guy, and um, he'll be missed for sure. Yeah, um, yeah. So many great, so many great roles. I want to go back to this whole idea of filming at Paramount. You talk about oh, it was great. Next Generation was filming. You're hanging out with Michael Dorn. I'm not surprised because Michael Dorn loved the pretty women and still does. And, uh, and, uh, and then of course, um, but there's so much history there, you know, unlike a lot of, you know, places you would go to film where you're on a, you know, shooting on a street in Los Angeles or, or, you know, Pacoima or whatever, you know, this is Paramount Pictures, Sunset Boulevard, 10 Commandments, all this history there. What, what a great way to start your career to be working on that historic lot. Yeah, when you pull up at the lot and they ask you who you are and you say, oh, I'm filming here today. And they're like, oh, go ahead. And big parking lot inside the lot itself. Um, I don't know if it's still there because they're probably using all that still areas up. But I, you know, park there, you know, my little Toyota. In front of the tank. In front, exactly. And, exactly. Thank you. Yeah. And then, um, you know, we just get the, oh, the whole place was storied. And that's why I actually love taking a bike and yeah. riding around and of course people didn't look twice because right a romulan on a bike <laughs> every day, every yeah. day occurs. with the hair yeah yeah with the, with the bouffant the, the romulan bouffant yeah that's oh, that was a bouffant for sure, <laughs> for sure. so <laughs> it's interesting because you know obviously some of the cast have had their issues with Bill over the years and Bill's had his issues with them. But to to even the ones who 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 were the most acrimonious, they always say Bill was such a pleasure on Star Trek V that he went out of his way to make everyone feel appreciated and um that he was just so gregarious and and whatever. What was your experience, you know, kind of working with Bill? And and obviously you were green at the time. So did he spend a lot of time working with you? How was that relationship? 
You know, Bill, I, I would have to agree. I mean, I didn't know how he was before, but he was delightful on the set. He gave so much creative license to people. I remember the hairdresser and I were having a lot of fun with my hairdo. I mean, just a lot of fun, if you can imagine. And when Bill saw that, he just looked at it, took a break, looked at it and said, great, done. You know, so he, he gave a lot of creative license, I think. And also... Uh, he was super jovial and um, very generous when we were shooting our scenes. Um, like I said, Bill has his intensity, um, as you know, you see on the screen, but in person too. He has his complete magnetism and charisma, yeah. which was completely evident. So I think he realized, obviously, this was his baby, and um, he was really working in concert with so many people. And like I said, it was just he was just delightful yeah. and it's, and it's, it's interesting. House and yeah he's just wonderful it's it's even more interesting that he was like that because obviously he was under a lot of pressure from the studio and the producers uh and uh, going through a whole bunch of uh, machinations behind the scenes that he was wise enough not to transfer to the cast and uh, yeah. and crew so uh it, it's it's even more wonderful to hear about that well, it's interesting at the time um, because we didn't know any of this was going on, right? Yeah. We weren't privy to this. Um, so I'm sure he had his face, his forward-facing face for his crew, his actors and things like that. And I'm sure he was obviously, as we're reading about now, private battles, of course, behind the scenes yeah. um, with major budget cuts and just trying to keep the whole, you know, the whole train moving on time, right? So. Yeah. Um, I think that was really laudable. And I only found out about that later, you know, reading articles right. on that and things like that, because you would never have known, you know. He's but it's, very... it's, it's great to know that because he's the captain and he acts like the captain. Yes. And that's, uh, that's great. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Because it's so important to set the tenor of the set. And, it, you know, if, if he had let that, you know, get, I mean, it would have infected the whole, you know, the whole film and people, you know, being aware. And it's, it's so great that he, you know, he approached it that way. And of course, look, obviously the everyone had very high expectations. It's a you know huge summer blockbuster coming out. The Star Trek films, Star Trek Four had been so successful. So you go, you, you know, I'm sure your agents, your managers are all really excited, you know, and, and then uh, the film premieres and you know, it's not received as warmly as everyone had had hoped. What was your feeling when you I assume you went to the premiere and um, you know, saw the film for the first time and and you know. What, you know, what was kind of your reaction and, and you know, feeling and, and what is it now after all these years? Yeah, you know, I, I went to the premiere and um, uh, we were late for some reason and I show up and then right when I sit down, my scene comes up because it's very, fairly early on in the, in the uh, movie. And I was just, um, uh, I was actually, I was pretty disappointed because um Bill had asked me to, you know, redub my lines uh, in an audio booth later on saying mm -hmm. that there was audio issues and things like that. And he had asked me to lower my voice so much. Um, my voice is kind of low now because I'm old, but back then it wasn't as old as, as, as low. And it was extraordinarily low. And he kept on saying, oh, give me lower, lower voice. So I would just like really, really deep voice, right? right. Um, which is really deep. And so he used that. And, you know, for some reason it didn't sync up very well. So I thought 
definitely, um, there was definitely a disconnect for me with my character. And um, I'm sure the, you know, the critics amply pointed that out, that was something wrong. And I, I never discussed this before with anybody because I was feeling very loyal to Bill. And I never told anybody that we had redubbed the scene. Um, and so I thought, you know, I'm just going to hold on to this. And only until recently have I told people this only because that deleted scene came out right. of, uh, the entire interaction between Cord, Caitlin Dar, and, um, you know, uh, Talbot. Yeah. Um, and that deleted scene actually has my true voice, right? right. There's hunger, poverty, no law enforcement. Here, the two of you sit drinking. Let me talk. Let me listen on. What did he say? He says he hopes you enjoy yourself while you're here. Uh, may I ask you, Miss Dar, what terrible mistake you made to get yourself banished to this place? The armpit of the universe? I volunteered. Volunteered? <laughs> Nimbus 3 is a great experiment. The policies that the three of us agree on here will have far-reaching results. My dear child, we're not here to agree. We're here to disagree. But I'm here to open discussions, to find solutions to these problems. Your back is nice, What did he say? I want his exact words. He said the only thing he wants you to open is your blouse. He's heard that Romulan women are different. Will you tell Council Court that I... Never mind. I'll tell him myself. And the only Klingon I know. Good luck. Screw you too. He does speak English. <laughs> so when I first saw the actual movie, I was just, I was a little disappointed, I have to say. Um, were there any, were there any other scenes that were shot that, uh, that have never been revealed? I don't know that answer. I just know from what I had from the script, mm. it seemed like everything, you know, right. was in there. But I have to say the actual movie itself, Mark, to your question, um, I know it didn't get a lot of critical reviews in a positive way, but I have to say, and not because I was in the movie, but I have to say the way it was written and all the interactions between the characters, particularly you know, our main characters, it was a real love letter, I thought, to Star Trek. Mm -hmm. I mean, the interactions between them was so heartfelt, particularly on the fireplace and you know, the, the three of them as a trio. And and that deep um, message that that Bill was, you know, putting forth about, you know, how pain is important and how um, it, it molds us and it and it and it makes us who we are. It's intrinsically an important thing. Um, and I thought he was far ahead of his time with this. So when I actually watched the movie, 
and saw the whole thing put together, I was actually thrilled and I thought it was a tremendous piece. I know it had its shortcomings and a lot of it was budgetary, um, but I'm standing by this and saying, I thought it was really an affecting movie in many ways and a fondness. I think there's a lot of fondness, especially for someone who's watched for a long time, the characters, the way they interact. It's just a real fondness and, a, and like I said, a love letter to the relationships that abide. You're not going to get an argument from us. We've no, no. Uh, we've been uh, torch carrying for uh, Trek Five for many many years, so uh, we we understand the the intent of the production, and uh, it's uh, it's far better than uh, certain other films that uh, we're not going to even talk about. So I'm going to agree. I mean, I love action and things like that, but this was really about pathos about human connection and the relationships that we, we hold dear. Well, so. unfortunately, so much, I'm so glad to hear you say that because so much of what um, is great about the film gets overshadowed by the effects, um, you know, from Brand Farron and Associates and, um, you know, that it wasn't ILM and, and that they're very, you know, amateurish and it, it casts a pall over the whole movie, undeservedly so, because, you know, Bill, uh, you know, directs the movie, really well there's a lot of you know a lot more camera movement than leonard ever had i mean there's some really interesting shots that whole teaser with you know lawrence luck and bill is, is is wonderful and uh you know some great casting and uh you know i, I i'm i'm sorry for you because you were put in a very awkward position um early in your career to have to ADR your entire role to loop your home. You know, a lot of experienced veteran actors have a really difficult time with ADR. So for someone who was as new to the business as you were to then have to go in and ADR her entire part. Uh, I can't imagine what that would have been like for you, because of course, for the people at home who don't know what that means, you're not on set, you're in a booth. Sometimes you're not even with the director. You're just with the sound person. Can you just get, and it's pieces of lines to match your lip movements. It's not even necessarily a complete thought. So to ask you to do that, you know, and again, you know, sort of questioning yourself, well, did I not do well? What does this mean? The sound wasn't good. I mean, I, I just, I can't, I can't. Do I match the previous performance? Do I enhance it somehow? Do I change it up? You know, yeah. it's big questions. And you're not necessarily getting the best advice from your director, which is the same thing that happened to Robin Curtis on the previous movie with Leonard. You know, it's like, uh, well, I want you to keep speaking deeper and, and deeper. And it's like, well, no, not really. Uh, <laughs> but what are you going to say? He's Captain Kirk and, and he's the director <laughs> and he must know what he's talking about, right? <laughs> yeah, it's tough. I mean, they have the beep, beep. Beep, mm -hmm. and then boom, you got to say it. And then you watch yourself. So it's very surreal. You're watching yourself on the big screen as you're trying to match your mouth movements. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, um, so I think there, yeah, it, it, it was interesting. So I hope, I hope that Bill gets his due and gets his director's cut because this movie could be, there's just a lot more juice in it, you know, especially mm -hmm. with that deleted scene. I mean, when it was cut, it just made our characters so ancillary. I know you guys have talked about this in the past, but I, I'm going to put my hat in the ring and say, you know, we need to add that that particular piece because it shows the the, the tension, right, between the characters. I'd I'd um, love to see that, and uh, as uh, as one of the uh, associate producers of the motion picture project that just came out this year, I would love to be a part of that. So. And right. I'd like to give yeah. you the chance. I'd like to see uh, Cynthia get to redub her part. Let's, <laughs> you know, let's, let's, uh, 
<laughs> you know, we don't have to go back to the original stems. Uh, you know, she can come in. And then uh, anyway, I, I think it would be so interesting to see because obviously that movie was a victim of um, Star Trek Four success with, you know, so it's like, let's put all this humor in. And then the budget and being, being released, cut. being released in the hugest summer in com- in competition yeah. ever with Batman and Indiana Jones in the last crusade and yeah. license to kill the bond movie, which even that, you know, was a victim of that summer. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for, for sure. And it's so nice because, you know, a lot of times you see actors, you know, uh, talk about, Oh, this movie's going to be great. This movie's going to be great. And then uh, the, the critics are, 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 are say bad things and the conventional wisdom is it's not good. And then the actor, regardless of what they thought says, Oh yeah, the movie was terrible. You know, they <laughs> it's so nice to hear you, stick by it and say you know what there are problems but i you know i think it has a very valuable message and it's very true to the star trek ethos it's, it's really nice because that that doesn't happen a lot you know a lot of times people change their opinions based on the prevailing winds yeah i know I'm, I'm sticking with it i thought it had a lot of it had a lot of heart yeah. i arguably the most heart out of most of the movies so um you know, and that's what that's what endures, right? I mean, when you yeah. see those those characters and you see the film again, you think to yourself, you know, that's a lot of that's someone who's intimately loving these characters and um, you know, making them shine. So yeah. yes. Agree. Yeah. Agree. Um I and then, you know, a couple of years ago you did your first Star Trek convention in Las Vegas. What was that like for you? Fabulous. Absolutely fabulous. <laughs> I have to say. I, someone came up to me. They had gotten every single Romulan signature from all the actors, Aww. and it was just missing mine. And I was like, "Oh my god, I'm so sorry." <laughs> so that was fabulous to be able to, you know, meet the fans. I'm just so grateful. I was a fan myself. I still am a fan. So I felt like, wow, this has just come full circle for me. Um, and then I got to bring my daughter and, uh, she sat underneath the convention table. I got her like a little iPad and, <laughs> and then this guy came up and he wanted to get my autograph and she's just, you know, she was having fun. So she grabbed his leg from under the table. And he's like, Whoop! <laughs> oh my goodness. So you're not only getting a barrel full of laughs meeting me, you get, you get the uh, whole complete set of Romulan actresses. So she, she wasn't rolling her eyes. Like, I can't believe people want my mom's autograph. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. that, was, that was for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was fabulous. And then of course, that's when I, I, I hadn't seen Bill in a while. Cause of course right. he live in the Bay area and he lives in LA and I hadn't seen him in a while. So we got together and hung out and um, yeah, Bill, yeah, Bill still got it. He's always going to have it. Here's here's how it happened. Oh, Caitlin, how are you? It's so <laughs> good to see you. <laughs> <laughs> he was so, and he was so good with my daughter. He's like, oh, who's this, right? Yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> he's uh, he's 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 great that way. I told. I remember when my, my very young, um, I had to meet him over at the horse uh, uh, where he rides horses. And um, so he gallops was on a horse. Was that with Sparky? <laughs> Sparky wasn't there as far as I know. He comes galloping up. My daughter was very young at the time. She was uh, three. And, uh, I, and, and, and we have this whole conversation. And he gallops off. And I said to my daughter, I said, one day this will mean something to you. You just had Captain Kirk come up to you on a horse. <laughs> and I say hello and gallop away. And, and to this day, I, I still like, I, I, do you get it yet? Do you, do you, it's like if it was Taylor Swift, it'd be one thing, but she still doesn't get how cool it was to chat her 
came up to her on a horse, but uh, and she was she, she's so good with the with kids. Yeah, I mean yeah. it's just amazing. <laughs> um, I have to ask you because obviously you have been so involved in um the Asian community, you know, both as a, a spokesperson and um, even starting early in your career at UCLA uh, for uh, the, the the school newspaper. The, and, and I'd love to know, because people talk a lot about how much Nichelle, African-Americans, uh, Nichelle meant to them, seeing someone like them on television at the time. I, I wonder if you could speak to, to George's presence on Star Trek and what he means to you uh, as an Asian American, you know, and his role in Star Trek and what that meant, you know, uh, when you when you first discovered Star Trek. Yeah, Mark, that's wow. I mean, George's impact is tremendous. Um, I think watching him on the screen completely normalized the fact that Asian Americans could be on the screen. Um, I have to say that was really inspiring to me. Um, also an Asian American man who was in a leadership role, not a stereotypical role back in the day, back in the you know late 80s, early 90s, uh, when Star Trek happened. Um, of course, we had a lot more roles at that time, uh, but not that many. But back when he was starting off, I mean, can you imagine? I mean, this is just, it was a cultural desert in many ways. Yeah. Um, so the fact that Star Trek took that on, cast him in that role, of course, with Nichelle, um, and created that synergy um, is amazing. And uh, George is like, he's like a brother uh, from another mother to me. He's been great. We've done a lot of activist stuff together. I haven't seen him of late because he's down in LA and I'm up here, but and with COVID and things like that. But we've done a lot of uh, activist work together. Um, he has been an inspiration and he's a dear person and he's funny as hell. And um, his voice is even lower than mine. So that's, that's <laughs> true. <laughs> had you known him before Star Trek? Had you, um, in your, what you were doing at the time, had you met George prior to doing the Star Trek picture? And did you even meet him on Star Trek? You know? Yeah, I actually, you know, um, I didn't know him beforehand, before Star Trek. I mean, I know, knew of him. And then right. we did a lot of more things together. And of course, he was asked to do a lot of, you know, speaking. And then I happened to be there as well as an MC or a speaker myself. Um, there weren't that many scenes of us together. We were on the deck together, which we would hang out um, when we were heading to Vor Tavor. Right. Um, uh, but otherwise, the scenes were sort of disjointed because we were the, the hostages at one point together. Yeah. And... Um, so I didn't see him as often as I would like on set, but we did have, you know, so, some, some days together. Um, but yeah, he's, he's a wonderful person. And by the way, back at that convention, I saw Nichelle hmm. and she was lovely. That was yeah. about four years ago. And, um, you know, she's passed since, but she's, wow. She's beautiful, perfect, yeah. lovely person. An amazing so presence. Now here's a question: What took longer since you you would get uh, you were in the makeup trailer with Leonard, Leonard's ears or your hair? Oh my gosh! <laughs> Inquiring minds want to know, right? <laughs> yeah, right? Exactly. These are the important questions. We really have to yeah, get to the bottom really of this. These are really the important questions we ponder. Well, as you know, uh, as people have written about those beautiful earmuffs I had that were just wonderful, they covered up my ears so we could save time with makeup. Yeah. Because my hair took so long. I'd have to say it was like a good six or seven, eight pounds. Wow. Um, which is a lot, right? You know, yeah, yeah. Head. yeah. Um, and there was a, you know, a, a steel thing going through the back of it. And so Leonard would sit next to me and we would get our eyebrows plucked together. Right. Oh my which goodness. I never thought in a thousand years I would 
be doing next to Leonard and my <laughs> eyebrows still haven't really grown back. So there we go. That's my big beauty secret. Um, but to answer your question, uh, I think my hair took longer. Mm, but, yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Sitting next to him, we yeah, he was always excused before I was. So right. Yeah. Did did uh, you get to to know him much during those days in uh, uh, Star Trek? Uh, what, what were your impressions? Because he's obviously very different than Bill. He could be funny, but it was a very dry humor, and um, he he you know he came across as more of an intellectual. Although Bill is quite the intellectual himself. Yes. Um, what were your impressions of of of, of Leonard? Did he, did he impart any words of wisdom to you about your career or about Star Trek at the time? You know, if I have many regrets in my lifetime, Mark, and that was one of them because I sat next to him for many, many days. But honestly, I was so starstruck. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I was young at the time. And, uh, you know, he's the sort of August, you know, very accomplished person. And he had written his poetry books and he's just right. very erudite. And yeah. I was just, Sort of starstruck. So it's a good Scrabble word, erudite. With that, <laughs> it's, it's a good Scrabble. Word. Keep that in reserve the next time. I am, yeah, exactly. We need to we need to go to town with that one. Um, so that's one of the regrets of my life. I would like to go back in a time machine, and I'd mm. like to sit next to Leonard for three weeks, which we were in the makeup chair together, two or three weeks, and I'd like to talk to him about weighty subjects of the day. Um, back then, I was thinking of weighty subjects, but I guess I could not articulate them because I was just, oh. he's just larger than life, for God's yeah. sake. And I had a crush on him when I was growing up. So what am I supposed to do, right? No. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. So you talked to D instead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was less intimidating. <laughs> so... Well, that's that's remarkable. And tell us a little bit about what you're doing now, because you're 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 very busy, and you're 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 out there, and it has nothing to do with Star Trek. But we we should talk about uh, um, your very successful um, uh, career uh, outside of acting and and um, outside of uh, mediating galactic peace. <laughs> Well, since Star Trek, um, I've had a career, of course, a long-term career uh, for 15 plus years as a television journalist. Mm -hmm. I worked, of course, in the top markets, Dallas, San Francisco, Los Angeles, Philadelphia, Sacramento. Um, I started off in Bakersfield, California. So that was great. I uh, got a lot of nice um, you know, recognition for that. And then um, you know, I was an entrepreneur for a while and I got some nice recognition for that as well. And now I am reinventing myself once again, and I am exploring brave new worlds. You know where this is going. Um, I'm on an adventure to create this community. I have a community of about 300,000 strong women and men, and we are just sort of looking at a roadmap, a roadmap of celebrating ourselves no matter what our age. Um, and this community has been fantastic. I've started uh, doing this stuff like, oh, during COVID, we were in lockdown. I decided to marry my journalism aspects with my modeling and my storytelling and sort of put it together. So I do that and then all proceeds go to my favorite charities. So it's been a great ride and it's going to continue to be a great ride. So, and you managed to stay 29 years old, which is incredible. Oh, <laughs> we should all be so lucky. Look at you. I, 
it it's my brain. What can I say? <laughs> well, I just, I just, heart. <laughs> I just have to say, if uh, if Leonard were around, I think he would say, uh, Cynthia, I'm very proud of what you've been able to accomplish, certainly in those years since we first met, and I just wish you had talked to me more in the makeup chair. <laughs> Karen, that was awesome. <laughs> I feel vindicated. I feel like the voice a of great way he's been left I'm gratified. Yes, I feel I feel complete now. Thank you for that, Darren. Oh well, that's so funny. Well, Cynthia, it's been so great having you on the show, and uh, what great stories! And uh, hopefully, um, you know, they'll have you at more of these conventions because you'd be a fantastic guest, and I think it'd be great for the fans to have a chance to hear hear your wonderful stories. I'd love that. I'd love that. I'm, I'm going to mention you guys on my TikTok feed and on my Instagram feed. And I've had a tremendous time. And I'm so glad I love the name of your show. Um, you guys are <laughs> so much. Thank you so much, Cynthia. This is great. There you have it. We promised you a delightful episode. And if 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 it wasn't delightful... We're going to give you your money back, but I think it was delightful. That's right. And I think you did too. So don't put lie your, that it Put was... your purse strings away because uh, you're not getting your money back. What an interesting career that Jay Lee Thompson had, man. To start oh, with movies, like, I mean, he did such such great films like Guns and Navarone. And yeah. then, you know, and then even really interesting genre pieces like Conquest of the Planet of the Apes. Right. Like, which is a really interesting movie. I, I don't love it the way a lot of people do. Um Certainly not the way I love Planet of the Apes or, or even right. Beneath or even Escape. But um, but uh, uh, but then, you know, at the end of his career, he's doing all these third rate, you know, canon films. And, you know, basically he's bringing them in on time and on budget. And, yeah. you know, as I mentioned, you know, Charles Bronson loved him because he, he did two takes instead of Michael Winner, who would make him do three. And um, I don't want to do any more takes. <laughs> <laughs> the Tunnel King. And um uh, you know, I miss I miss the days of, you know, where you had these A-list actors in, in like the 50s and 60s who were then doing these cheesy 80s movies because people would still go to see them no matter what they were in. Well, when know? they were when they were movie makers. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and not deal uh, makers. You know, that that doesn't exist now. Now they just pay, quote unquote, A-list stars to do streaming movies yeah. and pay them a ton of money. But it's not the same. Because like who would have made Kinjite forbidden Kinjite. subject? Kinjite, the <laughs> forbidden subject. No one. I mean, it's like no. the movies at 10 to midnight. I mean, it was so crazy. It was so crazy. Um, and if you haven't seen the documentary I mentioned, the uh, um yeah. this wonderful um uh, uh electric, electric boogaloo. boogaloo. Yeah. What a great movie. What a great movie. It's a, it's 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 wacky. And the interviews, and of course, if you know Star Trek adjacent, Marina Sirtis talks about right. her unforgettable role for many reasons in <laughs> um in uh the wicked lady with Faye Dunaway. Right. So if, if see for only that, I mean that's uh, that's been and then you know Mark Pillow talks about uh, his brilliant role as the nuclear man in Star oh Trek uh, Superman 4 the quest for peace. Yes. He's going to be at uh, in Richmond at the oh, Galaxy good. Con. We're we're at Galaxy Con this weekend and he's he's going to be there too. No, no, I think he's oh. in Richmond. He's not in Columbus. He's in Richmond, not Columbus. He's in Richmond. Yeah. Richmond yeah. is in March. Yeah, we're going to be in uh, Galaxy Con in March, and they got a bunch of uh, Superman people. Sarah Douglas is yeah. going to be there. We'll Superman. get to see her again. Yeah, and um, 
Mariel Hemingway from, um, of course, you know, she's there for Superman four, but, uh, right. you know, for me, I mean, my yeah. God, this is star Manhattan. I mean, I, no I can't wait. Oh my God. Personal best Robert Towns first, uh, first movie. That's going to be interesting. Some really interesting people that are going to be guests along with the Trexperts at, uh, at Richmond. And I, I'm serious. Some of these convention people, they need to get on it and have Cynthia as a guest. You know, we, Absolutely. Laura, 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 you remember Laura Banks. Laura Banks we had on a couple of months ago. She's been getting conventions left and right after yeah. uh, her appearance on Inglorious Trexperts. People yeah. fell in love with her on our podcast and now booking her. They, they, they brought her to Vegas. They, she's doing a galaxy con. She's doing all these, these, and I mean, I hope I'd like to see that happen with Cynthia, but she's terrific. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So anyway, well, this I'd is like to great... see it happen with us too. Well, we are. We, we're doing. A well, yes, but we're... we're starting slowly. We're on our inglorious, uh, inglorious uh, um, live tour, two thousand twenty live tour. Yes, and uh, hopefully Ashley <laughs> will be joining us for some of these appearances. Absolutely, at San Diego Comic Con, and uh, we'll be at Richmond in in March, and uh, we're going to announce some uh, additional appearances uh, coming up as, as well. See, I, you you want more? I'm I'm fine. I don't want to do too many. Well, too much of a good thing, even love, is it's just like I I don't want to. Yeah, do but that's too many. not true. <laughs> it, 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 it too much is excellent. It spoils. It, it's going to spoil the. You know, I can only do so many of these. Well, I should I really call it my farewell tour. My farewell <laughs> tour. Care. Maybe you do more, and maybe you and Ashley, and then I'll just do a couple. I'll maybe be like just uh, retire from the whole thing. Maybe maybe I will. <laughs> maybe I will. Although we keep doing shows like this one, I may not. Well, this see, there a, you go. Is, this was a good one. This was a good episode because we got to talk about some really interesting stuff but we always get to do that because yeah that's, that's true. what this is about that's Try why to be we're born here and you know what's coming up uh um darren the holiday specials are coming well and uh you know not to tell tales out of school but we've recorded a couple of them and they're long and they're awesome yeah and if you're a fan of the holiday specials you're in for a treat so this is the, just so you know before you start stock up on snacks because it's going to yeah. be a long haul. Yeah, yeah, it depends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a uh, hundred and one uh, hundred and one greatest uh, Star Trek characters of all time. There's gonna yeah. be some surprises on that list. Some and and some things that you might expect, but maybe not in the way you expect them. And we're bringing back the Bob Spurt, Robert Burnett. He's going right. to be joining us from his uh, Observatory. Uh, so uh, you're going to get the you're going to get the best of all worlds. You're going to get Darren. You're going to get me. You're going to get Ashley and Rob Burnett all. Weighing in on the 101 best Star Trek characters of all time, on the ever pod, on the podcast of Galactic Peace. <laughs> the podcast—that's our new thing. We're the podcast <laughs> of Galactic Peace. Can't we all just get along? Can't we? Because we celebrate the love here. We never we say do. anything. We never say anything. Somebody the other day was saying, you know, uh, you know, do you guys, uh, you, you, you know, the people not like you? Do you make enemies on the podcast? I was like, no, because we only talk about what we love. Yeah, you know, I we 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 avoid, you know, because. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again. If you like something we don't like, good for you. Yeah. You know, it's like, we don't have to, you know, you don't have to agree with us. That would be boring, you know, if everyone agreed with us. Although I read a list today you on can't, Twitter. You can't fool us by agreeing with us. Dude, I, I read somebody <laughs> on Twitter put a list of their favorite Star Treks. You know, i got to read this to you. It's so awful. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Yeah, yeah. This is this is after I say uh, how we. Uh, let me see if I can find it. Um, oh my god! It was just such a horrible list. I I, I read these things and I'm like, how do people think like this? 
Okay, I can't, you know, I can't find it. It's just as well because I'll just get myself in trouble. But um, I mean, but, uh, we don't, we don't care what you like, but we do care that you're fully informed about. Yeah, that's well put. That's well put. But this person had like a Star Trek motion picture, like next to last. Yeah, well, you know, there's no accounting and, for taste, you know. And it was just, it was just like you should see the order of this shit. Um, but anyway, I, I, again, it's like, uh, you know. It's about being informed. It's about being informed. An informed fandom is a happy fandom. What you was can. that? What was that old commercial in New York where uh, an educated cu- customer is our? Wait, oh yeah, an educated consumer. Is an our educated best consumer is our best. Co- is that uh, Cy Sims? Cy Sims, right? Yeah. With the, we would sell the uh, the suits. suits. Yeah. He would say an educated customer. Uh, educated consumer is consumer our best is customer. Our best customer. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's right. And that's that's gonna be our new our new tagline on, on the Trexpert. An educated Trexpert is our best customer. <laughs> wow. Just like Cy Sims. That's right. <laughs> and our prices are insane, just like Crazy Eddie. Free, <laughs> unless you subscribe to Trexpert Plus, which is still insane. $4.99 a month. You yeah. get Deck 78, the subscriber-only podcast, um, uh, before anyone else can hear it. And you can you get uh, all kinds of cool stuff. You and, get the and whole library of uh, of past uh, Trexperts episodes. It's, it's it's a glorious thing. And, and you know what? Most importantly, you're supporting the show. You're supporting Inglorious Trexperts and our, 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 our team, like the great Mark Rivera, who's uh, who's back in the, in the booth uh, mixing. Um, Peter Holmstrom, our uh, associate producer, who uh, is helping curate the clips and uh, getting the Trexpert's briefing room back on his feet. Uh, it takes a village. It takes a team. It's team. a quest. It's a quest it's a, for fun. It's a quest for fun. It's a search. For, for <laughs> Join the search. Join the search. Yeah. So anyway, we, we you know as we get to the end of the year, uh, it, it's important for us to thank all of you for being um, – Fans of the show, supporting the show with your subscription yeah. to Trexpert Plus, and just extolling the, uh, the 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 you know celebrating the love because you guys are are really the best. We don't publicize the show. You know, you are out there talking about how great the show is and how people should listen to it, and you know, whether it's on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook. You know, you know, thank you, thank you. It means a lot. We're 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 appreciative of your passion. And, uh, for... and uh, a lot of you are doing your part by uh, steering your scooters away from us when we're out at conventions. Yeah, and so we appreciate that, that, too. Oh, my God. It's so true. I, it's only now that I feel like my knee and my leg is and the inflammation is has kind of uh, gone subsided. away. Oh has subsided. God. I mean, that thing really screwed my screwed me up with the, the, that that thing and that, the lack of, uh, of, of contriteness, you know, but then that just made me angry. And you wouldn't like me when I'm angry. He had no cause to be angry. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Anyway, uh, this was this was great. And Darren, we'll we'll be back next week with an all new Inglorious Trexperts as we get ready for the big holiday countdown coming later this month, which is uh, which is just going to be a exciting. thrill. It's exciting. It's, it's exciting stuff. It's exciting stuff. So uh, until next week, on uh, behalf of uh, Darren and myself, uh, Mark A. Ullman, uh keep on trekking. Ingloriously, of course.